got to have it already settled. No matter what comes my way, there is nothing more priceless, more important to me than Jesus Christ, and I will take nothing in order to walk away from Him. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. You know, so often we view ourselves negatively in a way very unlike the way Jesus sees us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, out of the Song of Solomon. And as we journey through the Song of Solomon, we see so many things in the Shulamite, who represents the Bride of Christ. Today we're going to see how she sees herself in an inferior light and is very self-critical. Then we also note how the shepherd assures her of her value and builds her up. What an amazing book this is and how beautifully it illustrates our relationship with our own great shepherd. Well, I can't wait to share it with you, so let's go right to the message, An Hour of Temptation, An Hour of Tenderness. Now, last time, as we began our journey through the Song of Solomon, we identified the main characters of the story as follows. I'm going to go over them again. The shepherd in the story pictures Christ Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. So every time we hear the word shepherd, you'll know it's talking about or it's illustrating Jesus Christ. Now, the Shulamite represents you and me, the church, the individual believer who is devoted to him. So when I say Shulamite, say, that be me. All right. Then Solomon, contrary to a lot of interpretations of this book, represents the prince of this world, the tempter. He uses worldly pomp in this Song of Solomon, power and magnificence in an attempt to win the heart of the Shulamite. He's trying to steal the heart of the Shulamite away from the shepherd. Ring a bell? Now, the court women all that harem of women that were hanging around in Solomon's pavilion, Solomon's court, represents those who admire this worldly prince. They resemble the citizens of our world who look askance at those who turn their backs on the world, that they might have a relationship with the shepherds. So those court women represent the lost who just can't understand why we would be interested in the shepherd. Now, it's important to remember that aside from the book of Revelation, no other book in Scripture has more divergent interpretations than the Song of Solomon. There's many. I've read many different interpretations. I think the translation we've chosen makes the most sense. So if we go against the heading, just realize I'm not going against the Word of God. Now, the interpretation that we have chosen for this series presupposes that the Song of Solomon begins with the Shulamite, having been brought into the chambers of Solomon against her will. He is one day out there on horseback riding through the fields with no doubt some major entourage. And Solomon 
caught sight of this Shulamite shepherdess. And he said, Whoa, ma'am. Did y'all get it? Woman, whoa, man. Okay. And he said, Get her. And so the song is laying out the fact that she is apprehended and brought into Solomon's pavilion where we find her essentially imprisoned by Solomon, which a king in that day could do all day long if he wanted to. Grab women, carry them in, make them part of his harem, kidnap them and whatnot. Now, she had been a shepherdess caring for her flock in the fields when Solomon spotted her, decided to add her to his harem. But there was a problem. She was already in love with the shepherd, who is a picture of Jesus Christ. Hence, she resists Solomon's advances. So this whole book is a metaphor, an illustration, a picture of the great shepherd of the sheep, his church, the bride, the Shulamite, the tempter, Solomon, and the people of this world, the court women, who mock and ridicule the Shulamite for her dedication to the shepherd. And we're going to see a series of different events taking place as Solomon tries to win this woman. And it is a picture of what you and I experience in our walk with Jesus. So very often I'm going to pause and I'm going to make application to you and to me of what this Song of Solomon is teaching us about our walk with the Lord. Now, we ended last time with the Shulamite longing for the freedom that she had once known to meet with her beloved, the shepherd, unencumbered by distractions. Remember, she's now in Solomon's pavilion. The court women are all around her. The shepherd is far away. She's no longer in the fields. She is in this foreign place. And she's longing for those days when she just met with the shepherd on the fields and they talked and they were together. Now her own brothers had not approved of the shepherd and they had separated the two of them by removing the Shulamite from the fields and putting her to work in a vineyard. They said, she's meeting the shepherd out there in the fields all the time. So let's get her out of there and let's put her in the vineyards where she's laboring constantly long hours every day. She doesn't have time to get with him because we do not approve of this relationship. So the brothers represent at the very beginning family that comes against us or that does not approve of our walk with Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I did. When I first came to Christ, my whole family made fun of it, thought I just went from one extreme to another, you know, kind of mock and ridicule me. My mother's going to hear this and she would tell you it's true. I just stayed with it. And for years and years and years, finally, uh, many of them ended up saved. My mother loves the Lord now. And she regrets all those times that she made fun of me. Right, mom. Right. Now. So from there, she was further separated from the shepherd by being taken to Solomon's pavilion. She longs to be with the love of her soul. Now, the women of Solomon's court, a picture of the world, cannot wrap their minds around her unwillingness to take advantage of this incredible opportunity to be one of Solomon's women. Maybe number one. They just don't get it. Say, like, girl, don't you recognize a great opportunity when it comes along? And she, her basic response is, no, I don't get it at all. I want nothing to do with Solomon because I've got a love 
in my heart, and it's the shepherd, and I'm so in love with him, there is nothing Solomon can offer me that I want over him. Now, in verse 8, they mock her by suggesting she go hang out at the lowly shepherd tents where she might bump into him, and it's very sarcastic. And Now, in this section of the song, we're going to see what happened when Solomon, in all of his glory, and armed with all of his personal charm and all of his power, and believe me, he had it in spades, makes his first brazen attempt to seduce the Shulamite from her shepherd. Now, Solomon, let me be clear, because this is one of the old interpretations of this book, Solomon is not a type of Christ in this song. He can't be. He's a type of the tempter. What he offers the Shulamite is similar to what the arch tempter offers to you and to me. Satan, here's one of the messages of this book. Satan always seeks to use the world to draw the church away from its loyalty to the Lord. We experience it every day. That's why I'm teaching more and more, if you don't pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus and die to yourself and live unto him and say, not my will, but thine be done. The world's pull in these days is so strong, so persuasive, so seductive, that if you're not totally sold out to the shepherd, you're fair game. Now we're going to see if this Shulamite is really ready to meet temptations that are about to come her way. Solomon begins tempting her away from the shepherd to himself with flattery. Can everybody say the word flattery with me? The Bible says the flattering mouth works ruin. Now, look at what he says to her. I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Now, if I'm her, that's strike one. Because he just compared me to a horse. He says, I've compared you, my love, to my filly. Now, one translator puts it like this. To a mare of mine... In the chariots of Pharaoh have I likened you, my fair one. Now, ironically, this did not gain points with her because the horse was considered an unclean animal in Israel. So Solomon did better with the next pickup line. He must have seen the look on her face like, really? I remind you of a horse? Dude, you better think of something better than that. So here's what she came up with next. Your cheeks. I can just hear this guy. He's gross. He's out to seduce her away from the love of her life. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. Your neck with chains of gold. Now, here, he's likely referring to the jewelry that the court women had adorned her with. He's not complimenting her natural beauty. Now, in Bible times, the headdress of an oriental woman was often adorned with dangling beads or small ornaments like coins. You could hear them coming. They'd walk with these things dangling off of their hair and their ears, and you would hear them coming. Now, Solomon had tried to embellish the natural beauty of the Shulamite. This woman was beautiful. Why else would Solomon stop everything, his whole entourage, and point her out and say, get her? She's beautiful. And on top of that, she knows she's beautiful. But she's beautiful naturally. She doesn't need all these things. Solomon is trying to put on her. So what he was really admiring when he said, you know, wow, I just am so taken with these lovely ornaments in your neck, the chains of gold that are hanging off. He was really admiring his own handiwork, not her. Already, now look what he was doing. He was already attempting to conform her to the look of his world. 
She didn't need this. What was he doing? Put those gold coins on her. Put that necklace of gold on her. Start to bedeck her with the jewelry of the court women. He's trying to get her to conform to his world. And isn't that exactly the way the enemy does with you and me? Through flattery, aren't you beautiful? Aren't you talented? Man, you are something. Let me tell you something, church. One of the enemy's greatest tactics and devices against you and me to lure us away from Christ into something we should not be involved in is flattery. He will use the citizens of this world to flatter you. Ladies, you know what it's like to be flattered by a man. And men, you know what it's like to be flattered by a woman. See, flattery is a manipulative tool to get something from someone they would not normally give up. So he's flattering her. And just like Solomon is doing with her, the world seeks to lure us into conformity to its ways. Dress like us. Talk like us. Walk like us. Think like us. Flattery. Conformity. It's interesting that what Solomon put on the Shulamite was, say it with me, chains of gold. Golden chains. But guess what, church? Chains. Nevertheless, see, when you and I conform to the world, at every place we conform, in the way we think, in the way we dress, in the way we look, in the way we carry ourselves, in the way we behave, every area where we cave in and conform, we have just allowed ourselves to be chained. God hasn't called us to look like the world. He's called us to look like Jesus, to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, think like Jesus, listen, be like Jesus, reflect Jesus, mirror Jesus, remind people of Jesus. Love like Jesus, be patient like Jesus, heal like Jesus, deliver like Jesus, walk in an anointing like Jesus. He has not called us to reflect or mirror this world. Anytime we conform to this world, we allow those chains to be wrapped around us. Hence Paul's warning. What did he say in Romans 12? Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you are either going to be, you and I both, we're either going to be conformed to this world or we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it's a choice you make every single day. And every day the hands of this world reach out like hands and you're on the potter's wheel and this world seeks to conform you into its mold. Listen, Satan hates Christians who shine who really do grow into his likeness. So we're going to conform or we're going to be transformed. We're faced with that. And she was faced with this. The Shulamite was not impressed. His sweet words fell on deaf ears. And you know what? The words of this world need to fall on deaf ears as far as you and I are concerned. I don't want to be like you, look like you, talk like you. I want to be like him. So she had no need for the trinkets that he had placed around her neck. And we as Christ's bride, the church, need nothing the world can give. We're made beautiful in his salvation. It's a natural beauty. Now, I'm not telling you ladies, don't wear makeup. I'm not telling you, don't wear pants. You are not in a church like that. But what I am telling you is there is nothing more striking than a woman who is attractive, but on the inside, she is bedecked with the fruits of the Spirit of God. 
and looks like Jesus Christ, like Kathy does. That's true. She does. It's true. And see, God wants us to be beautiful in his salvation. How many of you are glad for the salvation of the Lord? So here comes Solomon. He had a first a terrible pickup line. Then he got a little bit better, but it fell on deaf ears. It did not work, but he's not finished. He takes it a step further by offering her, watch this, a crown of gold etched in silver. Look at verse 11. We will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. Now, how many of you ladies like gold? Tell the truth. I'm going to know we got liars in here tonight if I don't see hands. How many of you ladies like gold? How many of you like silver? How many of you like nice jewelry? All right. Then you understand the Shulamite and the temptation she's experiencing here. Now, in the Bible, gold is linked with sovereignty and silver with salvation. I'm going to show you how in just a moment. First, let's deal with the gold. We associate gold with rule and with riches. This is exactly what Satan offered Jesus in the wilderness temptation. He took him to the top of a high mountain. When he got into the top of the high mountain, I really do believe he gave him a vision. Because it says he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He gave him a vision of everything you could possibly have from this world. All of its glory, all of its beauty, all of its riches, all the gold, all the silver, all the wealth. He showed it to him in a vision. In a flash, Jesus saw it. And then the Bible says, after offering rule and riches, he said, all of this I'll give to you. All of this you can have. He said, it's mine to give you, Jesus. But there's a high price. But you can do it, Jesus. It won't take long. I just want you to fall down and bow down and worship me. And you do that, and I'll give it all to you. And you know what? The devil could give it all because he's the prince of this world. He had it to give. But what did Jesus do? Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he rejected it. But this is the same kind of thing the Shulamite is being offered. And when the tempter is dealing with you and me, he so often offers us something from this world. Money, fame, riches, power, reputation, status. He offers what appeals to the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, which John said is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God is the one who abides forever. So if you fall down and worship me, Jesus, he says, away from me, Satan, you shall worship the Lord God, him only shall you serve. This was Solomon's tactic with the Shulamite. The shepherd's far away. She's in Solomon's pavilion. She is a prisoner. And now this powerful, wealthy, charismatic king says, I got a crown for you. I've got gold for you. I've got silver for you. Let me adorn you with gold and bedeck you with silver. But if she had yielded to his offer, she must be his. This she refused. No amount of worldly wealth could have ever compensated her 
for the betrayal of her true love, the shepherd. I'm going to tell you something, church. The enemy knows our weak spots. And you walk with God very long, and he's going to come at a pivotal point, and he's going to knock on the door of your heart in an evil way. He's going to come at you through your mind, come at you through your senses, and he will try to lure you away like Solomon did the Shulamite from your shepherd to something this world has to offer. And you've got to have it already settled. No matter what comes my way, there is nothing more beautiful, more valuable, more lovely, more priceless, more important to me than Jesus Christ, my great shepherd. And I will take nothing, nothing in order to walk away from him. Amen. But then he came and offered her silver. Now, silver is frequently used as a symbol of salvation in Scripture. Both Joseph and Jesus were sold for silver, highlighting the fact that silver symbolizes the price of life. Now, silver is pure and unsullied. It's resistant to corrosion, and it can withstand the fiercest heat of the refiner's fire. Hence, silver is a beautiful picture of the sterling life of the Lord Jesus Christ given up for our redemption. How was Jesus betrayed? 30 pieces of what? The price of his life. Now, just as gold offered to the Shulamite by Solomon represented rule and riches, so the silver he offered her represented an offer of false religion and not true redemption. See, only Jesus... And his blood can redeem. In closing, I think of the words of Peter who said, Having not seen him, yet you love him. How reflective of the Shulamite, and though she can't be in the personal presence of the shepherd, yet she loves him with all her heart. Well, don't go anywhere yet. Our announcer has some important information to share with you, our Life Talk listeners. And be sure to join me next time as we continue to journey through the Song of Solomon. Until then, may God bless you richly is my prayer. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand, today's broadcast, or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. 
and you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. An Hour of Temptation and an Hour of Tenderness is the second message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.